0: sketches of slave life by peter randolph chapters four and five this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter four overseers the first overseer i served under was henry hollingworth a cruel and a bad man he often whipped my mother and the children and worked the slaves almost day and night in all weather The men had no comfort with their wives, for any of the latter who pleased him he would take from their husbands and use himself. If any refused his lewd embraces, he treated them with the utmost barbarity. At night he watched the slaves' huts, to find out if they said anything against him, or had any food except what he had allowed them. And if he discovered anything he disliked, they were severely whipped. He continued this conduct for about three years, when Mr. Edlow discovered it, and discharged him. The next overseer, who lived on the plantation, did not treat the people so badly as did Hollingworth, but he drove them very hard, and watched them very closely, to see that they took nothing but their allowance. He only lived there two years, when he was discharged for misconduct. The next overseer, a man named Harris, only remained about six months— His cruelty was so great, it came to Mr. Edlow's ear, and he was discharged. The successor of Harris was L. Hobbs. He was very cruel to the people, especially to all women who would not submit to him. He used to bind women hand and foot, and whip them until the blood ran down to the earth, and then wash them down in salt and water, and keep them tied all day, when Edlow was not at home. He used to take my cousin and tie her up and whip her so she could not lie down to rest at night until her back got well. All this was done on Edloe's plantation, the good slaveholder who owned me, and the other slaveholders used to say to him that he spoiled his niggers, but this was the way he spoiled them. Hobbes continued this ill-treatment for the space of three years, then he was turned off thus ends the history of hobbes on edloe's plantation with the exception of leaving what are termed mulattoes in virginia the fifth overseer was b f bishop he came to the plantation as a tyrant and proved himself such to men women and children He reigned tyrannically for one year, and did many things which decency will not permit me to speak of. He and all of the overseers were in the habit of stealing from their employer, and the colored people knew it, but their informing Edlow would have done no good, for he could not believe a slave. According to the laws of Virginia, the testimony of a slave against an overseer could not be taken." This Benjamin Bishop reigned monarch of all he surveyed, doing as he chose in everything, cruel as cruel could be, one year, when he was discharged. The sixth overseer was R. Lacey, a native of Charles City, Virginia. He reigned seven years. I cannot describe to my readers the malice and madness with which this being treated Edlow's slaves you cannot find his parallel in history except it be in Nero or Caligula. Indeed he was a very wicked man and a hypocrite. I cannot point to one good deed he ever performed. He would enter the houses and bind men and women and inflict torture upon them, whether innocent or guilty. The blood of innocent slaves is yet crying to the God of justice to avenge their sufferings and pour out deserved judgment upon the head of Lacy." THE SEVENTH OVERSEER WAS P. Vaughan. HE WAS CRUEL, BUT NOT SO MUCH SO AS SOME OF THE OTHERS HAD BEEN. HE WAS TOO FOND OF RUM AND THE FEMALES, SO EDLO GAVE HIM HIS WALKING-TICKET. THE EIGHTH OVERSEER WAS J. G. HARRISON. HE WAS WITH MR. EDLO AT THE TIME OF HIS DECEASE. HARRISON WAS, LIKE OTHERS IN HIS STATION, HARD AND UNMERCIFUL. HE MADE HIS DOGS TEAR AND BITE MY MOTHER VERY BADLY. She died soon after, and was freed from her tormentors, at rest from her labors, and rejoicing in heaven. This same Harrison shot one of Edlow's men, because he would not submit to the lash, but no one said anything to Harrison about his conduct. He did not kill the man. Although shot, he is now living in Charleston, Massachusetts. His name is Wyatt Lee. He is well known in Boston. FOOD AND CLOTHING I shall now show what the slaves have to eat and wear. They have one pair of shoes for the year. If these are worn out in two months, they get no more that year, but must go barefooted the rest of the year through cold and heat. The shoes are very poor ones, made by one of the slaves, and do not last more than two or three months. One pair of stockings is allowed them for the year. When these are gone, they have no more, although it is cold in Virginia for five months. They have one suit of clothes for the year this is very poor indeed and made by the slaves themselves on the plantation it will not last more than three months and then the poor slave gets no more from the slaveholder if he go naked this suit consists of one shirt one pair of pants one pair of socks one pair of shoes and no vest at all the slave has a hat given him once in two years When this is worn out, he gets no more from the slaveholder, but must go bareheaded till he can get one somewhere else. Perhaps the slave will get him a skin of some kind, and make him a hat. The food of the slaves is this. Every Saturday night they receive two pounds of bacon and one peck and a half of cornmeal, to last the men through the week. The women have one half pound of meat and one peck of meal, and the children one half peck each. When this is gone, they can have no more till the end of the week. This is very little food for the slaves. They have to beg when they can. When they cannot, they must suffer. They are not allowed to go off the plantation. If they do and are caught, they are whipped very severely, and what they have begged is taken from them. CHAPTER Five: CUSTOMS OF THE SLAVES WHEN ONE OF THEIR NUMBER DIES They go to the overseer and obtain leave to sit up all night with their dead and sing and pray. This is a very solemn season. First one sings and another prays, and this they continue every night until the dead body is buried. One of the slaves makes the coffin, and a very bad one it generally is. Some wheat straw is put in the coffin, and if they can get it, they wrap the body in a piece of white cloth. If they cannot get it, they put the body in the coffin without anything around it. Then they nail up the coffin and put it in a cart, which is drawn by oxen or mules and carried to the grave. As they have no tombs, they put all the slaves in the earth. If the slave who died was a Christian, the rest of the Christians among them feel very glad, and thank God that Brother Charles or Brother Ned or Sister Betsy is at last free and gone home to heaven where bondage is never known. Some, who are left behind, cry and grieve that they too cannot die, and throw off their yoke of slavery, and join the company of the brother or sister who has just gone. When the overseer is in good humor, he will let all the people go to look the last time upon their relative. If he is ill-tempered, he will not let the slaves go at all." so it all depends upon the state of mind the overseer is in, whether the child is permitted to look upon the remains of its parent, the husband upon his wife, the mother upon her child, or any other dear relative. Ah, my readers, think of this, and see the cruelty of the peculiar institution. Slaves have tender human feelings, very warm and tender they are but it matters not how sorrowful and heavy a heart the poor negro may have he cannot see his lifeless friends unless the slaveholder wills it when several of the slaves die together the others go to their owners and ask him to let them have a funeral most of the owners will grant their slaves this privilege when the owner and overseer give their consent the slaveholder sends a note to a white preacher THEN THEY SET THE DAY, AND THE SLAVES MAKE READY FOR THE FUNERAL SERVICES OVER THEIR FRIENDS. THE SLAVES GO TO THE WOODS AND MAKE SEATS TO SIT UPON. THIS IS DONE SATURDAY NIGHT. WHEN THE SEATS ARE PREPARED, THEY ARE LEFT TILL THE SLAVES TAKE THEIR SEATS UPON THEM, AND SIT UNTIL ABOUT TEN O'CLOCK, WHEN THE SLAVE-HOLDING MINISTER COMES AND PREACHES ABOUT ONE HOUR AND A HALF. THEN HE GIVES THE NEGROES LIBERTY TO SING AND PRAY, AND HE STANDS BY THEM. This is to keep the slaves from their master, because they are not allowed to meet together, except a white man be present. At the funeral, all the slaves from the adjoining plantations obtain passes from their overseers and come. So this is really a great day for the poor blacks to see each other. If their hearts are sad, they are happy to see their friends, and they all go to some place, and their friends receive such entertainment as it is in their power to give." They stay together till night draws on, and then each leaves for his home. As soon as possible after the funeral, the slaves must go to their work. They have no person to speak a word of comfort to them, to cheer their heavy hearts, but they must go on working and mourning all the day and night. If they had someone to sympathize with them, their burden would be lightened but no one cares for the tears of the widow the sighs of the disconsolate husband the sobbing cries of the mother whose little son or daughter has been taken from her no one pities the widow's son that his mother who laboured all her life for the slaveholder and for her son when she could get an opportunity is gone to the grave leaving her only one behind to toil on yet longer beneath the lash of the tyrant overseers and at the mercy of unfeeling slaveholders ah my readers even in the grave there is more comfort to the sad ones afflicted than in the prison-house of hopeless slavery Once, O Northern reader, visit the auction block, and all that is human within your soul will be aroused, and you will feel and know what American slavery is. End of chapters four and five.